essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Once again, wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean. I'm coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. We are getting closer to our 100th episode, just a few more weeks away. We'll see if we can arrange something uh, bigger for that episode. But either way, thank you for joining me, whether you're listening to us on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or iTunes. We're also available on about eight other platforms. Like and subscribe. Share this with your friends. Your friends love wrestling too. They can join you, join this community, help it build bigger, and we'll uh, enjoy all the things that are in wrestling, whether it's here in Ontario or with the big leagues, with AEW, NWA, and WWE. I'll be right back after these short messages. It's back, London, the second annual heat wave hot sauce expo presented by hot sauces unlimited on saturday february 29th at centennial hall heat wave hot sauce expo is southwestern ontario's home of the heat enjoy hot sauces and spicy foods from over 40 international producers all vendors provide free samples or up the ante and buy some meaty chicken wings at the show and spice them up however you like vegan food options are also available with hundreds of hot sauces to choose from it's a Chili Heads Wonderland. Plus, fans attending get a totally unique experience of hot entertainment with eating competitions, chili cookouts, live podcasts, cooking demos, and a world record setting feat of heat. The event it will be licensed with craft beer and spirits available for consumption to pair with the perfect sauce for fans of spice or those seeking an afternoon in the heat. Heat Wave is the place to be. The next heat wave takes place Saturday, February 29th, 2020 at Centennial Hall in London, Ontario, presented by Hot Sauces Unlimited. For more information, go to heatwaveexpo.com. Hey wrestling fans, join me each and every Friday on our Facebook or YouTube channel for the production line. I stop by the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory and catch the stars of tomorrow being built today here in London. Tyson's been in business for the last two years and we've already seen stars come out of the factory such as Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Alec Realm, Jordan James, the Wavemaker, Kyle Boone, the smartest man in wrestling, Michael Grayson, Cyrus Bowman, Rodney Matthews, and Tyson's own son, Ethan Dukes. Many more of the students of the future are seeing their way to the rings in arenas nearby you. You don't want to miss the production line where you can see the beginnings happening today. On the production line each and every Friday. Check us out on Facebook or YouTube.
you hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression and fundamentals are being made at the Wrestling Factory. This is Tyson Dukes and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast, y'all. And we're back with this week's episode. Thank you once again for joining me. As we always do, we cover the Ontario indie scene, starting off with Smash Wrestling and Midwestern Wrestling, and we'll follow up with the Ontario Indie Road Trip. Last night, Smash Wrestling returned to Fanshawe College for new beginnings. It was a packed house at Fanshawe, and there were a lot of things happened, so let's run down the card and see what happened. The opening bout saw Tarek taking on Alec Realm. Alec Realm has been mostly in tag team action over the last while with his partner Jordan James, but after everything that happened at Remix You a Merry Christmas and Jordan not returning his phone calls, he's going in alone against one of the pillars of Tarek. Alec Realm was determined to take Tarek to the limit because he has a lot to prove now that he's looking at singles action. It was a hard-hitting match between the two. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough for Alec Realm to get the victory, and Tarek scored the victory and started the night off really hot with this opening match. Tarek had left the uh, ringside area. Alec Realm was getting up, and the fans began to uh, clap for him and show their appreciation for what they had just witnessed. And out came a gentleman in a mask who claimed to be El Chico, and everybody knew that it was Jordan James, he even had the water bottle still, and Alec Roman attempted to talk some sense into him, that wasn't happening, so they called Scott Hunter in, Scott called out uh, Jordan for being who he was, Jordan finally took off the mask, they addressed the situation where they should have been tag team champions, and Jordan was having nothing of it. So then he ended up uh, being confronted by Realm again. Realm said that he beat Sebastian Swa before, and he's challenging Jordan to do the same thing without using the water. And then we can consider what the future is for the revolt if he cannot use the water and beat Sebastian Suave. Scott Hunter also reminded Jordan James that this is last booking officially and will have to serve a suspension for the illegal substance of cocaine in his water from Remix You a Merry Christmas. So our next matchup was Sebastian Suave against Jordan James. Jordan was warned not to use the water at all. If he got that, he'd get a longer suspension, probably end up getting uh, thrown out of the match. And he attempted to use the water numerous times in the ref, and Sebastian had to keep on stopping him. Near the end, he went to go for the water. Alec Rome came out. The referee got distracted by Realm, and Jordan James ended up clocking Sebastian Soav with the water bottle and picked up the victory. After the celebration ended, Alec Rome was proud of Jordan James for not having to use the water bottle, and they hugged, and so the revolt are still going to be in existence. And when they say cards subject to change, it definitely was subject to change because an unannounced match happened as the muscle made his way to the ring and he called out anybody to come meet him and he introduced Cole, Cole Lossus, and uh, they ended up having a fight. 
basically Muscle did a lot of uh, body shaming to Cole, and Cole did get some offense in there, but the extra experience that Muscle has over Cole, since he's still just a factory student at the moment, and it was too much, and Cole ended up having to tap out to a one-leg Boston Crab. Which, obviously, Muscle picked up from his trainer, Lance Storm. Just so he didn't do the rolling version like Lance would do, but he still did the one-legged Boston Crab. Up next was lifeguard on duty, Josh Pine, taking on Psycho Mike Rollins. If anybody saw Remix You Merry Christmas, the last time these two crossed paths, Josh was in the corner of Kyle Boone. They, Kyle attempted to drown Psycho Mike in a kiddie pool, but duty called and Josh had to rescue Psycho Mike. This time they were going one on one, and Psycho Mike took Josh all over the uh, Fanshawe College area with smashing his face off of the ring apron and mat, and then tables, and then over to the bar where he ended up picking up himself up a drink. They returned to the ring. Mike squirted some lemon juice into uh, Josh's eyes for a bit and actually did it twice. Josh stopped uh, Psycho Mike from being able to take a drink. And after the second lemon squeeze, though, Psycho Mike attempted to uh, eat the lemon and started choking on it. Duty called once again, and Josh Pine had to rescue Psycho Mike from choking on the lemon. And even though he got rescued, that wasn't enough to have Psycho Mike trust Josh Pine, and he ended up picking up the victory by defeating Josh Pine. Our last match before the intermission was a six-person tag team match featuring students from the Russell Factory, and it was the debut of Jay Loon as he teamed up with Chris Mitchells and Ethan Dukes, and he took on the team of Bella Bronx, Michael Grayson, and Rodney Matthews. And it was a really good uh, six-man or six-person tag team match going back and forth. They got a lot of heat the heels did on uh, Michael Grayson, he was able to tag out to Rodney Matthews, who did a lot of firing up. He ended up doing a double-team maneuver on Jay Loon, tagged out to Bella Bronx, who dropped the elbow and picked up the victory for her team. As I said, that took us to our intermission. Chris Maloney and I checked in with results on Facebook, and you can also uh, check that out on uh, the Scumbags Wrestling Facebook page and join us each and every Thursday for Thursday Night Throwdown, available on Facebook and YouTube. So after Chris and I recapped, we got back to the action, and it was the tag team titles online as Joel Coleman and Idris Abraham, known as Halal Beefcake, started their second year of being tag team champions because they just celebrated their first anniversary on February 2nd after winning them from the Pillars during... Brace for Impact at the Music Hall on February 2nd of 2019. This was their first title defense in 2020, and they took on Death Threat Army, who are a tag team out of Michigan. It was a really good match. I'm going to post some highlights, and yeah, there's a sequence where Death Threat Army just cleared house and took Joe Coleman to the ropes and... Yeah, to see it, you're going to have to uh, check that part out. 
anyways, Halal Beefcake ended up getting the better of Death Threat Army and are still your Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions. Up next was the Smash Wrestling Championship match where it was originally supposed to be Brent Banks challenging the remix of professional wrestling Kevin Bennett. But this was also a card subject change match as Von Vertigo showed up and inserted himself into the match to make it a three-way. Kevin Bennett was not in agreement with this originally and attempted to leave the match. Though I think he realized that even if he did leave the match, the title would still be on line between Brent and Vertigo. So he did stay around and he ended up sneaking out a victory after Brent had uh, done most of the work while he was about to pin Vertigo and got rolled up from behind. And Kevin Bennett has retained the championship. He'll move on to any given Sunday 8 on February 23rd to take on the winner of the main event of the evening, which was a street fight, a Fanshawe College street fight, between the machine Tyson Dukes and the King of the North. Sorry, I had to clear my throat. And the King of the North, Carter Mason. Now there's a lot of bad blood dating back to the Northern Tournament, where Carter was trying to get at Tyson, Tyson finally gave in a bit when, instead of it just being a one-on-one match with Jason Kincaid, it became a triple threat match with Carter Mason, Jason Kincaid, and Tyson Dukes at Super Showdown 7 in Toronto this past August. Carter picked up the victory in that one, celebrated with his mom that even Tyson helped get into the ring, only to see her son get waffled with a chair from behind and Tyson to go after her. Ever since then, those guys hadn't been able to be in the same place without brawling. This was no exception, except for this was sanctioned as a street fight. And there was a lot more on the line than just the final battle. The winner of this match would go on to face Kevin Bennett in two weeks. This fight took all over the Fanshawe College area and eventually made itself back to the ring. A door got brought out from under the ring. At one point, a fan jumped in and rolled on top of Tyson and pulled his leg. Brian White quickly got to him and yanked him out, and along with April and Walter, everybody got this uh, drunk, I would hope drunk, not just plain stupid, uh, guy out of the area and tossed him out of the building. Thankfully, for himself, he got uh, taken out of there before Tyson realized what was going on because he was going to probably end up getting choked out. So, you can thank Brian White for saving his life. The match continued, and Tyson ended up getting put through the door. That still wasn't enough to keep Tyson down. Carter Mason picked up the one half of the door and knighted Tyson Dukes with the door picked up the victory and is now the new number one contender and will face off against Kevin Bennett in two weeks. And that will be the next time that Smash Wrestling comes to us. It's February 23rd, any given Sunday 8 at the Rec Room in Toronto. 
Toronto homecoming of sorts because they haven't been in Toronto since the summer when they presented eight events over four days. Already scheduled for any given Sunday 8 is a triple threat match featuring John Greed, TJ Crawford, and Sebastian Spoff. Bear Country is going to go against Main State Posse. Baywatch will go against Philly and Marino Experience. Psycho Mike Rollins returns to go against Jody Threat. Speedball Mike Bailey comes back to Smash Wrestling and goes one-on-one with Tarek. Rosemary will defend her Women's Championship against Veda Scott. And as you just heard, Kevin Bennett will now put the Smash Wrestling Championship on the line against Carter Mason. If you tuned into this week's edition of Thursday Night Throwdown, you would have heard that Carter Mason actually does some rapping and writing of his own for music. And so this should be an interesting uh, build-up over the next two weeks and see what sort of promos get put out. Because you know that Kevin Bennett is going to put out a diss rap, but he can get countered by Carter Mason. So this build-up over the next two weeks is going to be awesome. I still have a couple of general admission tickets for any given Sunday 8. So if you're interested and free to come to the show, please contact me. If you're in London, you can be part of the road trip and do a live cut-in on Facebook and hype up this card. We can run it down, be a part of the show. Or you can join me in Toronto and we'll meet up in the line and enjoy uh, some great Smash Wrestling action at the Rec rec room in toronto february 23rd for any given sunday eight the next event on my personal calendar of where i'm going to end up showing up for sure is march 28th midwestern wrestling for their second event in listwall ontario they had huge success their first uh, show and this time they're ready to crown their first champion ever tyson dukes and Tarek will square off in a battle of the pillars who will raise the championship and go down in history as the first MWW champion. Plus, you're going to see Kyle Boone taking on the night train, just insane. Nova going one-on-one with Sabrina Kyle. There'll be a triple threat tag team match involving Halal Beefcake, The Revolt, and the team of Randy Bino and Nathan Newton. Plus, The Muscle faces off with the Canadian buzzsaw Corey Stone and the endorsement Sebastian Suave goes against Psycho Mike Rollins. Chris Maloney and I will be on the road doing this show. You can join us and be a part of it as well, but we'll also do cut-ins before the show, during the intermission, and right after the show with a wrap-up. And you can join us on YouTube and Facebook with either the Thursday Night Throwdown show or the scumbags wrestling show be sure to join us last time listable sold out they had to turn people away don't get shut out join us on the road midwestern wrestling show number two listable ontario you're not going to want to miss this now let's take a look at the rest of the ontario indie road trip calendar for this weekend and into next Great wrestling action comes to the Rock Pile in Toronto when Championship Wrestling from Ontario presents My Bloody Valentine on February 9th and Thursday Night Slam on February 13th. On Friday, February 14th, Crossbody Pro Wrestling presents Showcase Number 29 in Kitchener at the Academy. 
Then, the next night, in Kitchener, Ontario, February 15th, Crossbody Pro Wrestling presents Family Day Feud 4. You're going to see Cody Durst taking on Aiden Prince. The tag team titles will be online as the Empire defend against Stone and Blake 182. The Internet Championship will be on the line as Pretty Ricky will face Alessandro Del Bruno. In six-man tag team action, the Dirty Vets and Brandon Tidwell face the Henshaws and Mr. Hamill. Psycho Mike Rollins goes one-on-one with Dan Housen. Gabriel Fereza takes on Daniel Garcia. The Women's Championship will be defended in a triple threat match featuring champion Alexia Nicole, defending against Crystal Moon and Veda Scott. And Holden Albright will defend his crossbody Pro Wrestling Championship against Speedball Mike Bailey. During the Family Four Day Feud 4, Crossbody Pro Wrestling will be holding a special auction to raise funds for Rich Swan. He recently was injured and required surgery. Those have added up a lot of bills, and friends have stepped up to donate some items for you to bid on and help Rich Swan out. Some items that you can bid on include trunks from Ben Ortman's, shirts and masks donated by Madman Fulton, one of three different ring jackets worn by Jake Christ, six-month training program with Crossbody Pro Wrestling, an autographed Fritz Swan WD action figure, a Kenny Omega pop figure, the Young Bucks pop figures, and a signed Sammy Callahan jacket from when he was Solomon Crow in NXT. You can place your bids online until the end of the event. For more details and to see the actual items, go to the Crossbody Wrestling Facebook page and all the items are there and that's where you can place your bids as well. So get out there, help Rich Swan, and get some great merchandise as well. Memorabilia from a lot of the guys from OVE. Then also on Saturday, February 15th, BioLarts Pro Wrestling returns to Mississauga for a loaded card. The students will be on display and you won't want to miss the up-and-coming stars at Battle Arts Pro Wrestling. Pro Wrestling Ontario returns to Burlington for House on Fire. You'll see qualifying matches for the Iron Cup, plus a number one contendership match for the Trios Championship, and the Trios title will be on the line, plus the main event is the Open Weight Championship with Tyler Hill defending in a triple threat match with Chris Logan and... Tyler K. Dean. Then on Sunday, February 16th, Courage Pro Wrestling presents the Hamilton Heritage Rumble. There's going to be a mixed tag team match with Mercy and Warhead taking on Rex Atkins and CC Moss. Hacker Scotty O'Shea goes against Aiden Prince. And for the final time in Courage Pro Wrestling, Sabrina Kyle will defend the Courage Pro Wrestling Championship against Steve Brown. Eric Carney is going to defend the Her- Hamilton Heritage Championship against Rip Impact. And then there's the Heritage Rumble. Plus, there's going to be a special guest manager of the evening will be Steven. Steven has attended a lot of independent wrestling shows. He's a little guy battling a lot of health issues. And he's definitely a character to check out. He loves his independent wrestling and seeing everybody, whether it's a fan or especially the talent. Later in the afternoon on February 16th, still in Hamilton, Ontario, Alpha One Wrestling is going to present 
uh, Deadly Encounter. And they have a stack card with some of the guys that are going to be at the Hamilton Heritage Rumble making their way across town to the Alpha One show. And not to be outdone, there's two events happening on Family Day. One is at the Rock Pile with Championship Wrestling from Ontario. And they're going to be in Toronto at the Rock Pile. And the other is on Monday, February 17th. Snowman Mania bringing Family Day Fury to Wasaga Beach featuring a battle royal for a shot at the Canadian Heavyweight Championship currently held by Cody Deaner. So there's a lot of wrestling action coming up next weekend. There's no excuse for you to end up missing it. Whether you're local to where the show is or a short drive away, go and attend independent wrestling, support independent wrestling, and have a great time. And this segment was brought to you by the Ontario Indie Road Trip. Be sure to check out the event listings throughout Ontario two weeks in advance. There's no excuse for you to miss a great show coming to your way. Support independent wrestling and check out the Ontario Indie Road Trip happening on Facebook and YouTube every Friday. If you're looking to listen to more great podcasting from Ontario, you can look no further than these following podcasts. Gilmy Talks, Straight Talk with George McKay, Knights of the Squared Circle, Ringside with Chops, the OTRNT's Wrestling Podcast, Pro Wrestling 365 Podcast, and Thursday Night Throwdown with Chris Maloney and myself. All the news and information from across Ontario, great interviews, Keeping it local, join us each and every week. This week's edition of AEW Dynamite came to us from the Von Braun Center in Huntsville, Alabama. Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and Jim Ross were uh, the broadcast team as usual. The show started off with the number one contender to Chris Jericho's title. John Moxley taking on Ortiz, a member of Jericho's inner circle and part of Pride and Powerful, and they kicked off the show. Basically, near uh, the end of the match, Mox uh, pointed Jericho uh, was blindsided by Santana, but Moxley dished out a paragon shift to Santana, and then Moxley pulled out the car keys from the car that Jericho uh, attempted to give him, and he stole, basically, and jammed it into Santana's eyes, and he and you could hear Excalibur say an eye for an eye. The inner circle ran down the ramp to save Santana, and Moxley left through the crowd. They eventually established that next week there is going to be an eye for an eye match between Santana and Moxley. Both are wearing eye patches now, and so they only have one eye left to take. SCU defeated Best Friends, uh, Chuck Taylor and Trent along with Orange Cassidy. At one point, everybody was laying on the floor. Cassidy walked over and decided to lay down on the floor with them as well. So a really good match between all of them, and SCU ended up picking up the victory with a a Yoshi Tonic for the uh, pinfall. Afterwards, the Dark Order stormed the ring, mauled SCU and the best friends. Orange Cassidy was not uh, seemingly threatened by the numbers, and he entered the ring, but then got beat down for his offering. 
because Orange Cassidy had ended up uh, refusing a mask that Evil Uno offered him. He raised his hands and then put him in his pocket. So the Dark Order uh, put the boots to Cassidy. Christopher Daniels then sprinted the ring, and the Dark Order retreated from the ring before Daniels could get his hands on them. They are playing is way too hard to make it seem like the uh, exalted one is going to be Christopher Daniels, but who knows what they're actually going to do. They are going to draw it out as long as possible because it's either going to be Christopher Daniels or Matt Hardy with any educated guess. Be surprising if it's anybody else but those two. Then Dr. Britt Baker uh, took on the magical girl Yuka Sakasaki. This was her first appearance, I believe, on uh, Dynamite. Yeah, she was making her debut. She would appeared on uh, some of the other AEW specials leading up to their uh, debut on TNT. And at one point, uh, Baker put Sakasaki's mouth on the uh, ring rope and then stomped her in the back. And you saw the referee go down quickly to check the mouth of Sakasaki and all of a sudden there was blood and a tooth loose and yeah, maybe a little bit bad on the camera angles on that, but it definitely did at least show that Britt Baker is a vicious dentist and the fans are digging it with giving her the appropriate heel heat for this. This heel side of Britt Baker is actually getting over unlike the presentation she had originally as a face. So, bravo to them. But actually, before the attack happened, Sakasaki had rolled up Britt Baker as Baker was going for the lockjaw. So that explained why Baker was so vicious with her attack afterwards. There was the eight-man tag team match featuring the elite uh, members, Kenny Omega and Adam Page, the tag team champions, along with the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, taking on the Lucha Brothers and Butcher and Blade. Bunny was at ringside with them. Uh, this match was crazy to watch. They definitely took advantage of the 10 count uh, for being in and out of the ring. Hangman Page would not tag in anybody but his own tag team partner, Kenny Omega. He ignored the Bucks. There was a point where Hangman should have made the tag. The Bucks were waiting. He decided not to, and it cost them in the end. And Hangman took the pinfall. Later on, they were uh, all backstage, and Paige was wondering what the problem was. Matt Jackson saw what the problem was and took Hangman's beer. They walked away, only for Hangman to mysteri mysteriously lift a full pitcher of beer instead and start drinking from the pitcher, because nobody saw that when he was walking around backstage at first before getting stopped. But we know where this is leading. I like the slow burn, even though it's quite telegraphed. But at the same time, the fans are really digging Hangman Page and his lackadaisical uh, drinking lifestyle that he's uh, presenting right now. Backing up a slight bit, though, after the tag team match, Kenny Omega remained. Tony Schiavone went to interview him, and the interview got stopped by Pac, who was still demanding his match and figured that what he did to Michael Nakazawa wasn't enough to get Omega's attention. So you could see Rio in the background and he made it seem as though he was going to attack Rio. 
he got his uh, match. They're going to have a 30-minute Iron Man match in a few weeks before the pay- the week before the pay-per-view coming up. And instead of attacking Rio, because he's not that type of guy, Nyla Rose did the attacking instead and put Rio through a table and said that next week we're going to see Rio versus Nyla for the women's title. Superbad Kip Sabian was accompanied by Penelope Ford. He ended up beating bad boy Joey Janela after Penelope had gotten knocked off the ring apron and was in pain that distracted Joey enough for Kip Sabian to get the victory. Unsurprisingly, pulled this one off on free TV instead of saving it for the pay-per-view, but I can see also this feud continuing between these two guys. The main event segment of this was actually quite well done. We'd already seen uh, talk from Taz and Dustin Rhodes commenting on what Cody's going to experience when he got 10 lashes from MJF. This is what was needed for Cody to get the next step to go against Wardlow in a steel cage in Atlanta, which then will propel him to go against MJF at Revolution. But MJF was hoping that Cody would end up giving up with the lashes. MJF came out first with Wardlow. Then out came Cody. He started taking off his shirt and his coat and everything and getting ready for the lashes. MJF said he wasn't going to use his belt. He wanted Cody's belt to uh, whip him with. The whipping began. There was a referee there just to make sure it was uh, abide by only being 10. The heel lock room cleared out to watch and the lashes started happening. After the third one, Cody started feeling it. The fourth one, he went down. Arn Anderson came out to be his coach and encourage him. The lashes continued. Dustin uh, came out. He offered to take the other five. MJF said, that's not going to happen. This isn't how it works. Cody, uh, you could tell, doing an amazing job. He was holding back tears. The expressions on his face sold the whole story really well. The Young Bucks came down to encourage him with only three lashes left. Wardlow ended up taking the uh, strap and hit him with number eight. Cody went down. This is when Brandy ended up coming after number nine to encourage her husband. She wasn't doing the uh, nightmare version of Brandy, and she encouraged Cody to get up for the last one. Cody stood up, and MJF hit him from the front instead of at the back and was right across the dream tattoo Sort of a symbolic of hitting Dusty, you know, look like. Everybody came into the ring to celebrate with Cody and, well, not necessarily celebrate, but, you know, congratulate him on being man enough to take the 10, check on his condition because he was really hurting, only for MJF to kick him uh, in the crotch and then run. And he ran through the crowd and it looked like as the show ended, with Cody and his uh, family and friends in the ring supporting him. MJF was at the top of the uh, arena, and a fan actually attacked him. So we're not sure what actually went on with that, but the show ended, and Cody has now successfully gone through that stage to get towards MJF. And this is all leading to AEW Revolution, which is going to happen on Saturday, February 29th. 
from Chicago at the Wintrust Arena. And so they definitely love going to there. Still officially only one match on the card confirmed, and it's Chris Jericho against John Moxley. We know that that's going to also lead to MJF and Cody. So at least two matches figured out in this card for a revolution on February 29th. They have to really get working hard to fill out the rest of this card and uh, present a really good pay-per-view. And so that's uh, everything going down in AEW this week. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. And located at 309 Exeter Road, here in London. Hello, do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. Hi, I'm the Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. So just some quick notes in uh, WD uh, news. This week, uh, it was announced on Backstage that officially Timothy Thatcher and Killer Cross have uh, signed WD contracts. They have joined up with the WD uh, PC down in Florida. And so they're attending that. We'll see what happens. Obviously, Thatcher will most likely go to NXT UK. And Killer Cross will probably start on NXT uh, proper down in uh, Florida. And, uh, yeah, it helps that his uh, girlfriend, Scarlett Rodeau, is there as well. While it's not in WWE anymore or associated, it's not supposed to be. This is the opening weekend of the XFL be sure to check out where you can find XFL games. I believe it'll be the first one will be on Saturday around 2 p.m. on uh, TSN, so you won't want to miss that. And uh, yeah, during the investors' call that happened this past week, people kept on asking Vince about the relationship between the XFL and WWE. Vince 
emphatically kept on saying that they are two separate entities. When comments got made about why the presidents of WWE got uh, let go of the other last week, it seems to be that there's a conflict between how the uh, WWE network should be uh, run. There's potential that, and though it wasn't guaranteed, there's potential that WWE might sell off some of their pay-per-views from the network and put them on a streaming service, much like how UFC have done with ESPN+. WWE might do that with somebody like NBC or somebody that uh, will end up charging for events. Maybe it's just the uh, whole major four, five, if you include Money in the Bank, that they'll be on there. But WD's looking to find different ways of revenue that might have people paying for it. I don't know how it's going to look as far as the Canadian side of things go. They might be off the network if they uh, do pull that trigger. But here in Canada, we have it on cable. So it's not like it was in the States. And of course, they're also still contemplating whether or not they're going to do the uh, tiered system. The stock is dropping a bit uh, here and there with this uncertainty. Hopefully they make some announcements and uh, right the ship on that. And the stock goes back up. Other than that, yeah, it's been a pretty quiet week as far as I've seen with anything major news coming out of uh, WWE. They're on the TV just building towards Super Showdown. And we're going to run down everything that happened this week on WWE along with the results plus preview NXT Portland and also Super Showdown. Shock Stock 2020 is coming to the Ramada London on May 1st to the 3rd. The new Earth's biggest pop culture expo and film festival. The real end is near as the outside world falls into chaos. Word of a sanctuary for mutants, freaks, goblins, and geeks spreads throughout the land. It's three days of thrills and chills with screenings, panels, celebrities, workshops, interactive fun, vendors, and all-nighter parties. See special guests like James Lawrence, Mike Lackey, B.A. Johnson, and Sadie Katz. Shockstock 2020 is brought to you by Shockstock, Twisted Tees, Rotten Rags, and Taboo Textiles. For tickets and booking information, go to growtix.com. Shockstock 2020. You don't want to miss it. Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October of 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learn all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a 
student, or supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. This is Sting Bassey. You're listening to the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Let's take a quick look at what happened in WWE this past week. Over on Monday Night Raw, Randy Orton refused to explain his attack on Edge. It was masterfully done. The, he had the fans eating out of the palm of his hands with very few words, some poses, and walking away. His face did a lot of great expressions and talking. This is a good use of Randy Orton. I'm not the biggest Randy Orton fan, I will admit that, but using him this way is masterful and is using him to his best ability. Him going with Edge and not explaining what why he attacked him just builds more intrigue for when he finally does reveal it and when Edge returns, which inevitably we're going to see them at WrestleMania. Liv Morgan ended up uh, defeating Lana quickly again. Ruby Riot returned, and unfortunately, this was like a female version of what happened with Randy and Edge, because Ruby Riot ended up attacking Liv Morgan after, and then Lana got a few more shots in before she left. I wish they'd done a little bit different. I'm I'm okay with Ruby Riot and Liv going against each other, but for this return and look like you're going to hug and be attacked. Not a fan of because we just saw that a week prior and the segment just before this was dealing with that. So I don't know. Drew McIntyre uh, defeated Mojo Riley at no time flat. Uh, the 24 seven championship was not on the line and Drew McIntyre did a lot of talking, warned Mojo that he was going to get hit with a claymore as soon as he dropped the microphone and true to his words, he did that. Surprisingly, none of the jabronis from the back ran down to try and pin rope, uh, Mojo and pick up the 24-7 title. We didn't even see R-Truth try and get the 400th victory for it. Raw Tag Team Champions uh, Buddy Murphy and AOP defeated Kevin Owens and the Viking Raiders. The Viking Raiders got taken out early. One got pinned and the other one got taken out due to injury so just like the week before where Kevin Owens had to go at in a handicap match 2-1-1 this week in an elimination uh, style match it was three on one and Kevin Owens was able to get the uh, pinfall on Buddy Murphy and Akam but with a distraction from Seth Rollins Razor hit Kevin Owens with two spine busters and picked up the victory for their team well done. You can still see the Kevin Owens being built up, but they didn't want to go too hokey with him defeating everybody uh, three on one and putting in that distraction from Seth still keeps the heat on Seth and Kevin Owens for this fight. Alistair Black defeated former TNA champion Eric Young in no time flat. Uh, really sad to see what's gone on with Eric Young, but so be it. Rey Mysterio defeated Angel Garza. Angel Garza had come out to yell at his cousin, Umberto Carrillo, and 
Garza was accompanied to the ring with Zelina Vega, and Zelina is actually the one who introduced him, and this at least gives her something to do since Andrade is out for the next 30 days with the wellness policy violation, but Carrillo got attacked by his own cousin, Rey Mysterio made the save, and it became Rey against Garza, and Mysterio picked up the victory. The NXT Women's Champion Rhea Ripley ended up confronting Charlotte and basically wanting her to be the person that Charlotte went against at WrestleMania since she won the Royal Rumble. I knew this was going to be the angle that they were playing for, but I think they should have waited at least until after uh, NXT Portland had Charlotte even show up at NXT Portland for a takeover and scout that uh, title as a possibility and then build it up for the next week her showing up and go from there kind of makes Bianca Belair a lame duck then in a really hard-hitting match because Natalia has the bruise under her eye to prove it Natalia ended up losing to Asuka in a match and Becky Lynch ended up making the save when Kerry Sane tried to uh, get involved by the end of things, it has now been established that Becky Lynch will give a rematch to Asuka, I think as early as next week it might be. And then Ricochet defeated Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley to earn the right to challenge Brock Lesnar at Super Showdown. So now we're going to have Lesnar and Ricochet going one-on-one, which was kind of expected in a way because of what happened the week before the Royal Rumble. But myself, I was hoping they were going to pull the trigger and put Bobby Lashley in the match. Over on NXT on Wednesday, the Undisputed Era interrupted the Broserweights' uh, Dusty Cup uh, celebration. They came out in a golf cart, and there was a smile from ear to ear with Pete Dunne. And, yeah, they uh, got cut off. They're obviously going to go against each other at NXT Portland. Angel Garza defeated Isaiah Swerve Scott. Dominic Dajakovic beat Killian Dane. Mercedes Martinez made her NXT uh, debut and beat Casey uh, Cantazero. The Broserweights provided backup for Tommaso Ciampa when he went against the Undisputed Era. NXT Cruiserweight Champion Jordan Devlin defeated Tyler Breeze. That was a really good match between those two. NXT Women's Champion Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair uh, took out Charlotte Flair because Charlotte had shown up to give her answer to Rhea Ripley with her challenge. And, of course, not surprisingly, Bianca Belair took exception to it. And in the end, they beat up Charlotte even though they're going to go against each other at uh, TakeOver. The main event saw Tommaso Ciampa and the Broserweights taking on Undisputed Era. That ended up in a no contest, and Velveteen Dream ended up returning to make the save, and he ended up doing a Rick Rude uh, sort of thing, where he pulled off his tights to not- and have airbrush tights with him, as part of Roderick Strong's family instead of Roderick. So, um, Marina Shafir's face was on 
Velveteen's Dreams Trunks. Like I said, it was doing the whole uh, thing with Rick Rude, like he did with Jake Roberts, except for in this case, Velveteen Dream is the face. Uh, so that just really infuriated Roderick Strong. He feels very disrespected, so we're going to see something with them going down the line. But all this uh, was leading to NXT TakeOver Portland. And that card is set to go down on February 16th on WWE Network. It's happening in Portland, Oregon at the Moda Center. Six matches, which is unusual for NXT TakeOver. It usually has only five. But this one has six to go on it. Keith Lee is going to defend the North American Championship against Dominic Dijakovic. Dakota Kai is going to face Tegan Knox in a street fight. Adam Cole is defending the NXT Championship against Tommaso Ciampa. There's a lot of bad blood there, as seen on this week's NXT, where they painted a orange—I mean, a yellow X on his back uh, as he got beat down by Undisputed Era before Velveteen Dream made the save. The Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, are going to defend the tag team titles against the Broserweights, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne. Finn Balor is going to go against Johnny Gargano in a grudge match. And Rhea Ripley is defending the Women's Championship against Bianca Belair. So the only thing that's really not on here for uh, championships is the uh, Cruiserweight title. So who knows if that'll get put in there. We'll have a lot longer uh, or more stacked takeover card because now we also have Roderick Strong and Velveteen Dream with what's going on with them to deal with. So... NXT TakeOver Portland is going to be a stacked card. You won't want to miss it next Sunday on the 16th on the WWE Network. Then last night on SmackDown, Miz and Morrison returned the dirt sheet to WWE TV, and, but they were interrupted several times by the New Day, and we know that they're supposed to go against each other at Super Showdown. The Usos defeated Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, Elias defeated Cesaro. Roman Reigns attacked King Corbin after Corbin humiliated a WWE fan. So unfortunately, we're still getting these guys going against each other. And that's going to take us into Super Showdown with them battling in a steel cage. You would think after a street fight and a loser must eat dog food match on TV that it would be over. But... No such luck. Goldberg is eyed by the Universal Champion and called out by the Freenberry Wyatt uh, in a Funhouse special, Firefly Funhouse special. And uh, Goldberg basically didn't want of Bray's tricks and talking. And he quickly just said, no, who's next? You're next, Bray. And he wants the Universal Championship. So that's going to happen at Super Showdown as well. Daniel Bryan defeated Heath Slater. Daniel Bryan was super aggressive uh, during the night, so it's a little bit more uh, change in Daniel Bryan after his encounter with The Fiend because everybody has changed after uh, battling The Fiend. Shinsuke Nakamura sent a message to Braun Strowman, and they've secured themselves a rematch against Braun for the IC title. Somewhere down the line. Probably at Super Showdown as well. Sheamus defeated Apollo Crews. 
it's great that Apollo's finally getting used again, but yeah, I'm going to keep on saying it. Seamus being misused if they're going to bring him back. But if they're doing it this way, I don't know why they even bothered because he's just another placeholder like, unfortunately, Cesaro is. And they probably would have been better as the bar again instead of in singles action. And then the main event saw a uh, four-way match with Dana Brooke, Naomi, and Alexa Bliss, and Carmella. And the winner was going to get, or is going to get, a future SmackDown Women's Championship opportunity. Bailey was at ringside to see everything go down. Carmella picked up the victory, but before she could celebrate, she was attacked by the champion Bailey, And that's how they ended with this week's edition of SmackDown. Up next, and far as it goes with pay-per-view quality type events, uh, their next thing is going to be February 27th. It's another Saudi Arabia special. It is Super Showdown 2020. And there is now currently four matches booked for this card. Brock Lesnar against Ricochet for the WWE Championship. We saw that uh, get set up this past Monday. Roman Reigns and King Corbin confirmed in a steel cage for Super Showdown. The Fiend Bray Wyatt against Goldberg for the Universal Championship and the SmackDown Tag Team titles will be online as the New Day, Big E and Kofi Kingston defend against Miz and Morrison. So, four matches set up at the moment. Hopefully there's no uh, issues on this Saudi Arabia trip as opposed to the last one. But we'll have to see how many people actually sign up and say, yes, I'm going to go and be happy with it and not uh, criticize it on social media, which I don't blame them, mind you. But we'll see what happens. And yeah, that's going to be Super Showdown on February 27th. A few more weeks to build up the rest of the card. This is Jim Strider live from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. And you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hardly free. 